The brands that excel are the ones that are being adaptable. This is something that I would highly encourage any business to think about. The in-store experience will always be critical. Our job is to keep up with the customer expectations. Customer expectations come in many shapes and sizes. While one buyer may prioritise fast delivery, another will place a great emphasis on using their preferred payment method. Yet there is no doubt that customer expectations in Asia-Pacific are evolving all the time. No matter the industry and shopping method, in-store, online or on an app, the modern customer expects a personalised shopping experience and seamless way to shop and pay. When it comes to high levels of service and convenience, consumers in Asia-Pacific are some of the most demanding. Adyen's latest retail report revealed that 73% of APEC consumers will not shop with organisations that give them a bad shopping experience, either online or in-store, compared to a global average of 70%. Brands wanting to create positive customer experiences in Asia-Pacific need to have innovative and responsive solutions customers have really moved rapidly. As a retailer, our job is to keep up with the customer expectations and they're running a million miles an hour, so we've just got to keep up. Welcome to Behind the Figures, the podcast that goes beyond the data to explore the trends shaping Asia-Pacific's retail, restaurant and hospitality sectors and how to leverage the latest technology to make the most of it. I'm your host, Charmaine E. In this episode, we're tackling the topic of customer experience. As we just heard, consumer demands are changing. There have been two main drivers of these trends. One, digitalization has changed just about every facet of our lives, with the impact perhaps most strongly felt in consumer-facing businesses. Secondly, the COVID-19 pandemic created a fundamental shift in how people work, live and shop. Here to explain these exchanges in more detail is Lionel Tan, Agent's product lead for APEC. There is no doubt that the pandemic has accelerated the digital adoption amongst consumers as more and more of them were more or less forced to join this digital economy when faced with lockdowns, movement restriction orders that just limited that in-person or face-to-face commerce in the last two years. My mom, for example, it's like she made her first online purchase during the pandemic. And it was very shocking to me. The last 60 years of her life, she has never bought anything online. And all of a sudden, because of this, it's like no way to go to the shops or no way to go to the boutiques. Uh, they, she decided to buy something online. So we see a lot of small and medium businesses also having to adapt to provide uh, online services or online touch points in order to continue to service their customers and provide additional service like order online, pick up in store and door-to-door delivery as well. Now, payments right, also had a spillover effect. Because now there's a new interaction that is becoming more and more popular for many small businesses. And we see that there's going to be a, also a decrease in cash. So shift towards more contactless payments, uh, QR code based payments, and also increase in cross-channel shop experiences. So you could order in app, pick up in store, or you can get it delivered to your home and then you can return it at a kiosk or in store as well. These trends are supported by the findings from Adyen's retail report, with 53% of APEC merchants saying that customer expectations have increased as a result of the pandemic, while 60% find that customers now expect faster service or delivery. 
Perhaps the industry where these changes were most keenly felt is the food and beverage sector. New technology, such as QR codes and contactless ordering that were adopted during the pandemic, are now seen as a normal part of the restaurant experience. However, while the technology is here to stay, businesses in the food and beverage industry need to ensure that the restaurant experience can cater to customers of all age groups and preferences, says Lawrence Pelletier, Sales and Marketing Director at hospitality IT platform Redcat. So there's been some interesting trends and changes over as COVID's come and and, uh, impacted people's lives. So in the early days of COVID, one of the key things was, well, how do I going to order food? And and online ordering and um, order to pick up and those sorts of things became really prevalent. And then as people were allowed back into the restaurants and shops to, to eat, they'd start to use QR codes quite often to have a menu-less experience. And generally, the idea was, well, if I don't give you a menu, that's lessening the chance of you getting sick or being in contact with germs. So this whole contactless ordering thing became really important. So as time has now moved on, What's started to happen is you'll start to see, again, different in different countries, but the general trend is that depending on your age group and background, you'll want to use technology differently. So what you often see now is older people are saying, you know what, I'd generally like to talk to people again, and I'd like to have a real hospitality interaction and have somebody explain what the food is and what the specials are today and what I might want and what the difference is between a couple of different dishes, where you find the younger generation, and younger in this case is maybe less than 25 or so, depending again on where you are. A lot of those people, they really don't want to interact with humans because that's part of their world, you know, the way they've grown up. They're actually very keen to continue on with the concept of having contactless ordering, right? QR code ordering or similar. What's interesting about where technology is going is it's kind of having to almost shift or or break in two and, and, and have different ways of catering to those different demands. And I think that's probably one of our big changes is now this adaptation to how that tech can work for everybody, not just squeezing everybody into one direction saying, you must order like this. Now it's saying, okay, well, there's lots of different ways we should interact. And what we're starting to see now, for example, is a lot more kiosks happening. A kiosk could be partly because of contactless or it's less contact. Even though you're touching a screen, it's seen as somehow safer or more distant, right? But the other part of the kiosk where the, that comes into this equation and still is also true with this QR code ordering is one of the big issues in our in society right now, again, across multiple countries, is the lack of hospitality employees. So we see problems where they're, they're doing things like closing on Mondays because they're saying, I don't have the staff to open on Mondays. So some technology, whether it's QR code ordering, whether it's kiosks, whether it's online ordering, those sorts of technologies are actually enabling people to open because they can operate with fewer staff. One size doesn't fit all when it comes to keeping your customers happy. To successfully navigate the new consumer landscape, APEC companies need to be able to respond to the needs of different customer groups. The brands that excel are the ones that are being adaptable, are the ones that are actually really being flexible. I've seen it happen in a couple of different ways. I've seen some brands have actually gone full on back into a human service concept where they've gone straight back to the old way, but go back to having human interaction. Somebody comes and serves you and they take your order. And then you start to see a lot of ones, the ones that are doing well, they're mixing it really well. Sometimes it's about being fit for purpose even. It's things like they'll, um, you might have, for example, in a venue, you might have a, a, a main venue which is really busy and is all human contact and everybody does the ordering. But maybe, for example, out the back, you might have an outdoor sitting area. And as you get sort of further from the venue, people are starting to order from 
QR codes or remote ordering of some way, right? The guys that I've seen do it well are the ones that get the right mix where they're actually catering to that consumer appropriately almost. And it could be based on venue or based on age or based on lots of different things, right? But it's actually just finding out with your customer base what what kind of works best for them. Understanding the customer will help brands make decisions about curating the most effective mix of technology and services that will keep customers coming back. But with customer behaviour evolving so fast, how can brands stay up to date with changing expectations? Lawrence is here to share some of the restaurant trends he's seeing across APEC. We're seeing quite a few general shifts, right? I think I'll always say it depends what country you're in. And we're seeing in general a trend towards, for example, drive through In Australia, we see a big tr- trend towards drive through Of course, that's different in different countries where fewer people have vehicles and things, right? You're not going to probably see a lot of drive throughs in Hong Kong. It doesn't happen. We're seeing a lot of kiosks, and that's pretty global, that kiosk-based ordering is really picking up. And that's, I think, based on the fact that you've got a visual menu, maybe less pressure for the people behind you in the queue. You know, you can take your time to order things. You're generally getting a higher average order value. And and we believe that's probably around also, there's a little bit less guilt. You know, you don't worry too much about ordering a dessert because there's no human there to criticize you or, you know, you might think they're going to criticize you. Um, So we're seeing those sorts of trends. And I think you'd probably tie that in with maybe a, a lessening of the focus on online ordering in order to pick up because those were really big at the height of the pandemic. And I think now they're kind of normalizing. They're kind of coming into, yep, I'd still like to use those, but maybe a bit more about where it's appropriate. Instead of being forced to use them, now I can choose to use those. The vendors, they're actually starting to apply or try to apply those technologies to the right places rather than to all places. So I think the future, if you like, is probably around having customers being able to meeting their needs across multiple touch points, but in a way that's comfortable for everybody and not forced. One thing that's clear is the staying power of the in-person experience. The pandemic may have increased the importance of having an online store and digital payment options, But as restrictions were removed, customers have returned to physical stores. In fact, 61% of APAC customers say they prefer to shop in a physical store, while 67% agree that physical stores are an important touchpoint even if they shop within the same retailer online. While this may seem counterintuitive, the significance of the in-store experience is no surprise to Josh Bell, principal at Guzman y Gomez. We're fascinated with this space because we, we believe you can't really build a brand, a restaurant brand, exclusively digitally. The in-store experience will always be critical. And to build a power brand, that in-store experience will always be there. And so how has it changed? I think obviously the hygiene component of that in-store experience is never going to be the same as it was pre-COVID. People are just so conscious of high-touch environments. They're conscious of passing cutlery in certain ways. They're conscious of um, cash. People don't want to use cash anymore. So hygiene's the first major affected space of um, that in-store experience and how that's shifted. Secondly, I think the digital presence plays such a big role. QR code ordering in the restaurants is building and definitely here to stay. Kiosks, I think, may have had their day. There's definitely a space for kiosks with the super brands like the McDonald's and stuff, but smaller groups like us, I think kiosks might not suit us in a way that's sort of relevant. We really want to continue to have a strong relationship with the customer. We want to make them comfortable by using their own phone. We still want to talk to them. We still want to have them come to our point of sale and, and have a conversation with us or when the food's delivered to them, maybe ask a few questions to our staff. So the digital component of the in-store experience is 
massive, but to try and find a way to, to protect that in human interaction is, is important. That'd be the second. And then I think the third point would probably be people want to kind of be remembered from their recent in-store experience. They don't really, I mean, in the past, you just go to the 7-Eleven or you go to the, the GYG, you'd walk in, you get your product and you leave and that's it. You know, you don't, you don't really have much more interaction than that. Whereas today, there's so many more digital wallets, loyalty programs, points, rewards, incentives, um, free items, all these things that people are hunting for big time, especially with this inflation environment, especially with uh, the world sort of burning up a little bit in a few areas. People are really more conscious of, of value. They're more conscious of incentives to make them come back. And that's going to be very important for the in-store experience. Far from ending the in-person experience, the digital advances of the last few years are encouraging more in-person purchases at Guzman y Gomez restaurants. The primary area that we've seen the most change in the customer experience with the digital transformation is frequency of coming to our restaurants. We would aim for a sort of monthly visit on average from loyal customers. That's now almost weekly. We have so much information about the customers and we have such a strong relationship with them through social media or the, the EDMs or through the app technology, Deliveroo, Uber, Grab, you know, there's so many ways we touch the customer now that we're so front of mind, they're coming back so frequently. How do we accommodate that? How do we provide a diverse enough menu to keep ourselves as an interesting option? The frequency of dining is probably the most powerful benefit that we've experienced through the digital transformation. And Guzman y Gomez has ambitious plans for how to make the in-person experience unique to every customer who walks through its doors. So I think sort of utopian experience for us is, I mean, everybody can probably imagine it. You arrive at your favorite restaurant, which you love to get on a Monday because you're trying to be healthy or whatever the experience is. You walk in, the technology or the staff member recognizes you immediately. Welcome back, Josh. Thanks for dining with us again today. Can we get you your regular order? And I say yes. Yeah, I'd like that. That'd be great. Thank you. You know, three minutes later, the food's handed to me in a bag. For us, that's the perfect scenario where um, the customer is recognized, the experience is seamless, that we've got pre-approval to charge the customer's card and the customer's in and out in, in literally 60 to 90 seconds. For us, that would be the dream, but I think it's not far away. I think that's coming. I think that's very close. As the experience of Guzman y Gomez shows, when used effectively, the digital experience can bring brands closer to their customers. Creating a stellar customer experience can increase loyalty, boost sales, and increase the number of visits to your physical stores. But how can APEC brands effectively use technology to enhance the in-store experience? How can merchants create a meaningful connection with customers beyond the basic product offerings? How are the best businesses delivering memorable in-store moments? Adjian's Lionel shares some creative ideas for meeting changing customer needs. Firstly, brands need to think about the overall in-store experience. The stores should be less about a location where stores inventory, but more about creating a space where an experience that can help your brand further engage with your customers. One great example is Lemon, where the retail assistants are called educators. 
And that's exactly what the brand wants their customers to perceive them as. Like the educators are there to help the customers learn more about the brand and also recommends a specific item or clothing that suits the customer's lifestyle, be it hiking or yoga or even just lounging around. They also offer office wear now. So you can even just go in and, and decide from there what you want, what kind of what kind of lifestyle you want to portray or how do you want to be seen with the brand. But the experience doesn't end there. I think brands also need to think about managing all the way till the customer exits the store with purchase in hand. And in addition, like what, what is the returns process going to be like? Because you don't want that the shopper has the best experience with the salesperson or the, the retail assistant, but then it is often like disjointed and disrupted whenever you are ushered to the checkout line and the checkout line is is really long and, and the payments process, for example, is really, really long and it takes a very long time to get you out of the store. Like a great checkout experience is for a brand should be something that has either a cashless tills, it's like an automated till, um, you have a mobile point of sale and also you have information or access to information in of in-store availability for things that you want to just order online and you can just drop by and pick it up as well. One retail example that I think that did it really, really well is uh, on running in their flagship store in Tokyo. So not only can the retail assistant help you get your right shoe, you can even try out the shoe and test it on a treadmill to see whether or not it suits your running speed, your gait, and even your stride. And it doesn't end there. So once they picked up your shoe, you've picked out the right size, the staff can then continue to check you out there and then. Right, they package it up in a box. They would take out mobile point of sale, and uh, they would scan uh, the item, and then you can proceed to pay with a mobile payment terminal as well. So you can use your card or your whatever payment option that you want to just uh, pay right there and then. They then get you a bag for your shoes, and then they email you the receipt. And here's the great thing about that experience: it's like not only do you have a retail assistant that serves you from from the start of the interaction all the way to the end so that person is with you on your entire checkout journey or your entire experience. There's one thing that when they are collecting that email to send you their receipt, they have already collected another customer touch point for a brand so they can further engage with the shopper. They can use it as a way to gather feedback on how the experience was, how can they improve, and what else could they do to make that experience a better experience as well. Now they can also use the email to further re-engage the customer, right? new deals, newsletter signups, they would not have been able to do it if they didn't have an experience like her. So that was a retail example. For a, a quick service restaurants example, I think McDonald's is also a really good good example where they always have like a new food item that you want to buy and there's always a long line. And what they do is that they get, if you download the app, you can do an order online and pick up at the nearest McDonald's that you have. And this skips the queue incentive of using the app, right? It's really one of, I think, one of the key reasons I use the app quite a lot. They also incentivize you by having online or mobile-only exclusives. And now, because I have the app on my phone, I get a push notification uh, every time it's close to lunchtime. And it makes me doubt whether or not I want to go into the office for lunch. Adding an in-person experience doesn't just drive your customer from online. It also helps you create, craft a new different experience, like a, a, a way, a, an additional touch point. And in addition to your brand's persona, be it you know online or offline or whatever touch point that you want, it helps you further engage with your customers. It helps you further interact with your customers. And it just allows that one holistic view that a brand would like to perceive to their, to their customers. Some really practical examples there from Lionel. Naturally, a big part of the shopping experience is the payment. I'm sure we've all experienced a situation where our preferred payment choice is not accepted or the queue at the checkout is too long, making you think twice about visiting that business again. 
There are now so many different payment methods customers can choose from and so many differences in payment preferences across Asia-Pacific that businesses can't afford to leave their payment strategy to chance, says Kat Parker, Global Director, Commercial at Retailer T2T. I would say that customers have really moved rapidly. And as a retailer, our job is to keep up with the customer expectations. And they're running a million miles an hour, so we've just got to keep up. That's the main challenge for us. It's making it easy through unified commerce for a customer to shop how they want and when they want and on their terms. And that has to be a 24-7 model. Whether they're shopping in a Coles or Woolworths or a Meyer or David Jones through our wholesale channels, or perhaps they're doing a subscription model through Amazon, or they're shopping in our retail stores, what we want to do is give them a great experience because if we reward them with a really great experience, they'll give us their patronage. So we know that that's just so important. Part of that is creating friction-free customer experiences that are multi-channel. We've really pushed into areas like ship from store, for example, to get the product closer to the customer so the last mile delivery is shorter. We offer loyalty, obviously, as part of what we do, and we offer a variety of different payment methods. And there's been a huge uptake in Buy Now Pay Laters. I've worked at quite a few retailers in my career, and I've seen the Buy Now Pay Later delivering around 50% of your online sales. So that just becomes such an important channel for us and partnership as well to actually manage. Singapore is a great example of this. Grab, whether it's Grab Wallet, Grab Pay, you know, you've got a country with 5.6 million people and three and a half million of those people are signed up to Grab. If you don't have Grab as a payment mechanism, You're missing out on this whole cohort of customers, but also the marketing that goes along with that. And some of that marketing can be very, very powerful and I've seen it in action. And so we're very much, you know, having Grab activated there and also a Tome in Singapore. And we're really, really excited to partner with, you know, the the likes of these guys. We really want to hit at that younger target audience. So that 25 to 40 age bracket, but we've sort of shifted away from demographics, to be honest. We're more into sort of uh, behavioral uh, targeting nowadays. So, and that ha- happens on a one-to-one basis, but it just, you know, I guess with the buy now, pay laters, uh, what I would say there is, you know, there's a generation of people that are not going to own a car and they're not going to have a credit card either. And so it's, it's here to stay. Um, and so as a brand, you know, as a retailer, we just have to keep up with the pace of that customer base so that we can remain relevant and partner where we can to, to create great offers and experiences. Getting payments right in APEC is a complicated business. For that reason, it is important to have technology that can support all the different payment methods your business needs to accommodate now and in the future. Kat explains how T2T uses Agent's platform to enhance the customer experience. What's really great for us is just one product to rule them all. (laughs) That's always what you're looking for. But that integrates with all of the different brands that you can possibly want. So I'm very focused around different payment methods, um, whether it's Buy Now Pay Laters or Visa or Apple Pay or whatever it ends up being, just trying to get them all into the same payment mechanism. Because when we do that, we have a single view of payments across all channels. So if someone shops online but wants to return in store, it makes it very simple for us to provide an online refund in store for them, which is what we do. And 
it's just those things that help us also to better understand how our customer is shopping because we've gone through sometimes and done solace surveys of our customers to understand who's shopping online, who's shopping on in the stores, and then who's shopping both channels. And it's really fascinating to see, you know, how some customers might discover us. And once they're satisfied with the quality of the product and they've had that assisted sale through our awesome team in retail, that person then might be very, very comfortable from that point onwards to then just shop online because they're comfortable with the quality. But we don't mind where customers shop as long as it's really, really convenient. I guess another thing that's important for us in terms of creating that great experience is uh, making sure that, you know, we have uptime because anytime we're out, that's a disaster. So we do see a very, very high level of uptime. I think we're something like 99.9% and that's about as good as it gets. So for us, that's a nice, stable business. I think one of the attractive things for me was least cost routing. I've seen six-figure savings in a matter of months. And I think that is a standard feature. It is a feature when you go to um, a merchant facility at a bank that they will tell you that they will do where they will give you the lowest price per transaction. And you might just be talking about cents per transactions, but over thousands of transactions, it actually adds up. (laughs) And so uh, it was just interesting looking through the impact that that's had at T2. I can safely say that, yeah, it's delivered significant savings for us. I think as we push into mobile point of sale, you know, having options there for how we actually evolve our in-store experiences. And again, being able to use the same technology stack, there's just huge benefits to us in that. And then I guess another area would be fraud protection. Being able to sort of eliminate a lot of that right off the cuff is really, really important. And it just saves so much time down the line for everybody because the domino effect of fraud is not great. Anyone that's been through it operationally or financially or otherwise, we always try to keep a close tabs on the, these types of things. But knowing that you've got that sort of safeguard in place, you know, it gives us a lot of confidence as a retailer to push forward and um, not have to worry about it so much. One of the ideas raised a couple of times is the importance of providing an experience that meets the needs of different customers and feels much more personal. This is another area where having the right technology can help. As Adrian's Lionel explains, with a little help from his mom, the data from a comprehensive payments infrastructure platform will provide much more detailed insights into your customers than before. So it used to be that merchants would mostly differentiate the customer by gender and language. You go to a store, you can select whether I want to see men's only items, women's only items, or kids only items. But now, because we have all these new joiners, like my mom did not purchase anything online until the pandemic. And now you can also segment your customer in ways where they are either or by age group, but also by digital literacy. So these are like new joiners, right? They've just only just started. Uh, they, they probably do not have the same expectations as a customer like myself does. And I'll explain probably the differences between the two. So sometimes it amazes me that some brands can segment not only, like I said, gender and language, but also by the type of customer. So if somebody who is less digitally literate versus somebody who has been using a lot of these features and functionalities before. So for example, for me, I care about the speed of checkout, right? I just want to get in, pick the items I want to buy, and then check out. And what these businesses do is that they they show items that I purchased previously, things that I frequently purchase all the time, they will just show it right on top of the cart so I can just quickly add it into the cart. When I get to the checkout, they have already have pre-saved my credit card, my address, my shipping address, and I can just click a one-click checkout. 
And because I'm a frequent customer, they also know that the likelihood that I'm fraudulent is also lower as compared to a new customer putting in a new card on the checkout. So they allow a checkout experience that is really, really seamless and really, really quick. However, that's not the expectation of everyone. I would say maybe it's an expectation of my demographic, but not the same for every type of customer. For example, my mom, I use my mom a lot in examples, right? She loves to bargain hunt. She also loves to engage with the brands online in their social media channels to ask questions about the product, how to use it, uh, when, when best to use it, and all the questions that she loves. So her expectation is, is she wants to be completely informed before she makes that. Uh, decision. So there's so much uh, information gathering that they will do, so much discussion, so much engagement with the customer before they actually make the purchase. So this is completely different than my expectation, right? My expectation, I want it fast and I want it quick. In there and done. Similarly for, I guess, the younger generation that are also just starting, they want to also engage in the brand, but in a different way. They want to engage with the brand by either you know showing off the brand on social media, they want to engage with the brand by uh, showing their friends that they wear, they, they wear a certain thing or they eat a certain kind of food. It's a really different uh, ways of engaging and a, a different way that merchants can think about uh, how they want to craft an online experience for that customer or how they want to segment their online experience specifically for that customer. To further add to this, it's like once the business understands the type of customer segments that they want to target, this can also add on to how they want to market towards these customer segments. The AdWords that they want to buy or the kinds of uh, display banners they want to show and, and they can further segment it by age group as well. If I were to summarize the majority of consumer expectations, I would say that majority of us wants it fast, affordable and available. However, don't be fooled that this is the norm because as you have new joiners to this digital economy, their expectations may be vastly different than you and I expect depending on the consumer segment. This is something that I would highly encourage any business to think about or at least to be aware about in order to understand your customers, engage your customers across varying age groups, income levels and also digital literacy as maybe this is the first time they're shopping online. The customer experience is changing. In fact, as has been made clear by our speakers, no two customer experiences are the same. But whether the customer is young or old, shopping in-store or online in Singapore or Australia, what unites them is the expectation of receiving excellent service, a customised experience and making effortless payments. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Behind the Figures. For more great advice and insights on the trends shaping the retail, restaurant and hospitality sectors in Asia-Pacific, check out our other episodes covering topics like fraud management and the importance of creating a sustainable business.